Jonah. Chapters 3, verses 10 through chapter 4, verse 4. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Well, we've been in this book of Jonah all fall, and we have three more opportunities to look at it, two more after today, actually. And I've said that we are confronted in this book of Jonah with God's character, specifically today with his mercy, and in turn, our hearts have been revealed. Who we are, how we think, has been revealed in light of who God is. It's interesting that this book of Jonah is in Scripture, Apparently, God's people have needed this book ever since there was a God's people. And I'm convinced that you and I, that we need this book of Jonah. Today, we're going to see that Jonah's anger is a window into his heart. As I told you earlier, there was somebody that came to prayer this week that said, you know something, I've been listening to this book of Jonah, but I don't know if I've ever read the fourth chapter before. I don't know what to make of Jonah. And as as Brian said last week, we have become more confused in our own minds about Jonah, the Ninevites, the sailors, but the greater clarity throughout the book of Jonah has come in the very heart of who our God is. Has your view of Jonah changed in the last couple of months? This moment in Jonah's life is set in writing. And before you judge him, I want to encourage you to be careful. I want you to listen to what this is about. Jonah is enshrined in the scriptures this way for us. I want you to imagine that the Sitgo sign down near Fenway is about to be replaced. I want you to imagine that your face is going up in place of the Sitgo sign, okay? Your face is going to be right there. And I want to ask you a question. You have the chance to fill in the caption next to your face. It's going to be there. What is your theme? What goes next to your face on that Sitco sign? What do you want to be known for? As one commentator said it, this entire section is marked by the deep gulf which separates the Lord and Jonah here. And we ask ourselves, what is happening? I want you to see that Jonah's attempt, Jonah's attempt to control God's mercy reveals his own lack of dependence on that very mercy. I want you to look at me, with me, at Jonah's anger, And I want you to see God's response. And the way that this is written, it allows you and me to consider our own anger and also to see God's response. So look at it with me, if you will. 
reading again from this 10th verse. Jonah witnessed what happened in Nineveh, didn't he? He witnessed and he saw how they turned from their evil ways, that God relented of the disaster that he was going to bring on the Ninevites that he said he would bring, and he didn't do it. And this is what it says in your Bibles. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Now, most of you have these blue pew Bibles, and if you look down at the bottom, it actually says this in the Hebrew, it was exceedingly evil to Jonah. Do you want to know how it speaks of it in the most wooden way it could say it? It says, it was evil to Jonah. God's relenting of disaster, it. It was evil to Jonah, a great evil, is what it says. And then it says, and he, Jonah, was angry. Again, I want you to see that Jonah's attempt to control God's mercy reveals his lack of dependence on that mercy, on that very mercy. There are two ways that we're going to see this reality, and it's through Jonah's anger and what he requests of God. We are told that Jonah was angry, and Jonah speaks and tells us why in verse 2. O Lord, he says, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? We are suddenly ripped back to Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. When the word of the Lord came to Jonah and he said, Look, the evil of the Ninevites has risen before me. I want you to go and to speak against them. And Jonah says, No way. He doesn't say no way. It doesn't say that. It just says that Jonah arose. He got up and he went and got on a boat and fled to Tarshish. But Jonah tells the Lord now why he did that way back in chapter 1. He says, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Notice why Jonah's angry. Jonah said, I attempted to control your mercy. I knew that you were a God who would be merciful. I knew that that's exactly who you were like. So I disobeyed because I didn't want you to be merciful. He fled to Tarshish. But as you know, God pursued Jonah. He pursued him with a great storm and then with a great fish. One of the sermons that I heard this week was actually this guy, Alistair Begg, that some of you guys have heard up at Camp of the Woods. He actually said that God sent the, the limousine of the sea to pick up Jonah and bring him back. But Jonah hated the fact that God was going to show mercy on the Ninevites. He was determined that the Ninevites didn't deserve God's mercy. And notice, be, this is where you need to be careful. In his determination that the Ninevites did not deserve God's mercy, he said, I'm not going, and if I flee, maybe God won't show them mercy. By necessity, Jonah became the one who determined that other people did deserve God's mercy, namely himself. Namely himself. And the moment that Jonah determined that he deserved God's mercy. It was no longer mercy, was it? Because mercy is the withholding of something that you deserve 
Mercy is God's interaction with us resulting in forgiveness, in relenting from disaster, as it says here. But the moment that Jonah's heart was not overwhelmed with God, but rather with what God provided him, was the moment he thought of himself more than God and more than he thought of the Ninevites. There's a book on the back table. Pick up the last couple of copies. I'll, I'll order some more. The Prodigal Prophet. And Tim Keller will tell you in it, he's not the first one that has seen the parable of the two sons out of Luke 15 here. You know the two sons, the, the son who's younger who runs away, but the older son who stays with his father. And when his brother repents and when his brother comes back, the father throws a big celebration and says, this is, we're going to celebrate our son. And the older brother is what? He's angry? Sounds like Jonah, right? And he refuses to celebrate, refuses to. In fact, he makes a request to die. Listen to what he says. In verse 3, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah says, I do not want to be an object of your mercy anymore. I don't want to be an object of your mercy anymore if it means that I'm like them. It would be better for me to die. Remember, this is not the first time that Jonah has suggested that death was the way out. You remember what he told the sailors in chapter 1, you should just throw me overboard. Death is the way out of this. Jonah thinking that in his death he would keep God from showing mercy, right? And it won't be the last time that he suggests death. In a futile attempt to control God's mercy. He's going to say it again in verse 9. We're going to read it. And as a child of the 80s, I couldn't help but think about Cindy Lauper. And you're like, what? Cindy Lauper? Yeah, your true colors shining through. I see your true colors, right? Your true colors. And Jonah here portrays his true colors shining through. Because Jonah lived for something other than God's mercy. And when Jonah was forced to consider that his only hope was God's mercy, he said, I don't want to live according to your mercy. I would rather die. I would rather die. You see, Jonah's attempt to control God's mercy revealed his lack of dependence on that very mercy. But the next thing that I want you to see is God's response to Jonah's anger. I hope this encourages you. What do you think God is doing? What's his method? He could have used anyone to go to Nineveh, right? Jonah flees to Nineveh. Why didn't God just turn and get Jonah Jr.? Why didn't he turn, instead of get Jonah, get the guy named Robin, right? 
Jonah means dove, right? Another bird, rock, you get it? And, and just take another prophet and use another prophet, right? God could have done that. But instead, God hit pause on what he intended to do in Nineveh because he was committed to using Jonah because what we see is that God was after Jonah. Now, look, we don't know much about Jonah. You know, and maybe you remember, I don't know how often we've told you this. Go back and read 2 Kings chapter 14. You're going to see that there is this wicked king named Jeroboam II who was raised up to be a king over Israel. And guess who his prophet was? Jonah. Jonah was his prophet. And underneath Jonah, underneath the word that Jonah proclaimed, Israel actually expanded its territory. They, they took back some of the land that had been taken from them, right? But what's interesting there is in verse 26 of chapter 14, it says this, that God had compassion on Israel during this time, even though the king was wicked. It says, for there was none left, bond or free. There was none left to help Israel, is what it says. Strange phrase. And guess where it takes you when you go look it up? It takes you to Moses' song in Deuteronomy 32. And you want to know what Moses is singing about in Deuteronomy 32? He's singing about what it will be like for the Israelites when they turn away from their God. And they put their hope, their dependence on anything other than God's mercy. And he has this phrase in there that there was none left bond or free, word for word, picked up by the writer of 2 Kings. Do you want to know what it also says in that song in verse 21? Moses sings and it says, They have provoked me to anger, speaking in God's voice, with their idols, and I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. And you got to scratch your head and go, could Scripture really be this tight? Is God really this purposeful? Is he really this faithful to his words? And I want you to know that this great distress that Moses sang about, about the people of Israel, was because of their rebellion against God. The very thing that it says of 2 Kings 14, the only other place where we see Jonah. And I want you to see that God's method was first to provoke Jonah, to reveal his heart. And I want you to hear this. The scriptures make it clear that it is God's kindness in provoking the hearts of human beings that he might lead them to repentance. And it's the Apostle Paul that writes this. And you might ask with me, why in the world would God do this? Because the God of the scriptures, who makes himself known according to the very words that Jonah used in Exodus 34, the very words, he bends toward mercy. He bends towards mercy. And he wants all to depend on mercy. God provokes Jonah, but then he draws Jonah out. Listen, this is the last verse. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? 
I want you to note God's patience. I absolutely love it in Scripture when God asks questions. The question that's before you is, what do you think God does in the midst of your anger? One of the best parenting advices, pieces of advice that I've ever been given was by a friend of mine named Doug, and he said, always go into a conversation with your child with the next conversation in mind. And here, that's exactly what we see God doing. Do you do well to be angry? Now, you might take that phrase and go, what does it mean? Does it mean that anger is wrong? And, and, and that can't possibly be the case, right? Because there are numerous times in Scripture when God is angry himself. Even Jesus is angry. Mark chapter 3, John chapter 2. In John chapter 2, he's angry when he sees people selling goods in the temple. In Mark chapter 3, he's angry when the Pharisees refuse because of their hard-heartedness to long to see a paralyzed man healed on the Sabbath. So what does he mean? Do you do well to be angry? Maybe the best way to answer that and to, to phrase that is this. Are you acting faithfully in your anger is what God is saying to Jonah. Jonah, are you acting faithfully? And when the God Yahweh speaks to one of his people that way, he is specifically referencing covenant faithfulness in his anger. God even suggests there that there is righteous anger. One commentator defined that this week as the hatred of sin, but the love of beauty, the desire for restoration. And that righteous anger is the right response in the face of injustice. How would we find, define injustice? Any violation of God's design. Any violation of God's design would be injustice, and there's righteous anger. But there's also unrighteous anger. That anger that hates vulnerability and that loves control. And here, Jonah's anger is directed toward God. God doesn't look at Jonah and say, your anger is unrighteous, Jonah. He engages Jonah and he says, are you acting faithfully in your anger, Jonah? Now, in this same sermon by this guy, Alistair Begg, he has this great Scottish accent and he says that somebody at Camp of the Woods, and I, pictured, I envisioned a Wilbert going up to him and asking him this question after one of their talks, is it wrong to be angry with God? And he came up with a pretty good answer. He said, I do not believe it's ever right to be angry with God. But it is certainly understandable. That's a pretty generous response. What strikes you about the end of this verse in four? I think what ought to strike you is that Jonah doesn't respond. There's silence. And I think that silence makes room for you and I to ask the question, how are we like Jonah? 
Jonah's attempt to control God, specifically his mercy, reveals his lack of dependence on that mercy. And you say, how would I know how I'm like God? Well, the passage would encourage you and me, would encourage us to look at our anger. What makes you angry? You might respond and go, that man, that's pretty complicated. But don't worry, we've got two more weeks. That's perfect, right? It is very complicated. What makes us angry? Some of our anger is righteous anger. The hatred of sin and the love of beauty. The longing for reconciliation. Does that mark some of your anger? The, the willingness, even in, in the longing for reconciliation, to rejoice in repentance. Brian Loney said that everybody in this congregation has come up to him and say, what do you make of Kanye West? You want to know how many people have come up to me in our congregation and asked me what I make of Kanye West? These many. Zero. Now, part of that is maybe you're just not worried about it. Has it even crossed your mind, though? Why not? He proclaims repentance in faith. Why would we not celebrate the potential of that? I don't claim to know his heart. But some of our anger is unrighteous anger. The anger that is the hatred of vulnerability. And you see, the problem with being an object of mercy is that it makes you vulnerable to someone else's mercy. Right? And the love of control. Is your anger anything like mine? Is your anger kindled when your happiness, your security, your success, your health, your financial freedom, your education, your independence, your ease is threatened? Any of your anger? Look, I have to repent to you. I was running this week and a guy cut me off and pulled right into his driveway, right in front of me, nearly hit me. You want to know what I did? I hit the back of his trunk and said, come on, man. And I ran away. And this flood of reality washed over me. This is my anger. I was not respected. What's, what's going on? And see here, we even see from Jonah anger with God. I want to be careful. Anger with God and the choices he has made in your life. It is and has been since there was a people of God. The tendency of those recipients of grace to start believing that we deserve mercy. And when that happens, we focus on the gifts instead of the giver. You know that that song has been in my mind. Thy mercy, O God, is the joy of my song. Mercy, O God, is the theme of my song. Thy mercy, O God, is the theme of my song. Is 
God's mercy, the theme of your song. Thy free grace alone from the first to the last has won my affections and bound my soul fast. Is your soul bound fast to the God who has mercifully intervened in your life? Because the phrase that should be next to your picture is that we are from first to last objects of God's mercy. Finally, how does God respond to your anger? We baptized Evan. I hate to tell you, Samuel and Katie, but you already know it because you have Micah. One of the first words that boy is going to say is no. As soon as that boy starts ambulating and hanging out with other kids his age, that means walking, he's going to say mine. No and mine. What does God do with us when we say no and mine? He provokes us. Do you want to know when God provokes you? Usually when you're most stressed out. Do you want to know why? Because then you are most apt to depend on something other than God's mercy in your life. Do you want to know what else God does with our anger? He promises judgment against it. He hates sin. He hates sin and he promises judgment against sin. In fact, it was God's will to crush his son, Jesus, because he bore our sin. And not only that, but I want you to be assured that he promises a final judgment when all of sin will be judged. God hates sin. That should help you with your righteous anger and help me with my righteous anger. But I want you to hear something else that surprises you. Psalm 18, and I hope you all go and read it. It's one of the only psalms that I know has my name in it, broad place. I've told you this before. If you want to know more, tell me about it. It says that when his people are oppressed, both by sin within and sin without, and they cry out to the Lord, Psalm 18 says that God becomes angry and that he rends the heavens and he comes down and he rescues his people. And do you want to know why? Psalm 18 says, because he delights in him. Because God delights in us. Why does God show mercy? John 3.16 says, because he loves the world because he loves you what is it that would ever change your no and mine to anything else it would be believing that you are from first to last that we are from first to last objects of God's mercy and we would say of our lives not no Not mine, but yours. I'm yours.